Good morning, Oasis Church. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. I'm Pastor Nate, and I'm the pastor here. And look, if this is your very first time, I want to say a special welcome to you. I want to say welcome home, welcome to the family. We're honored that you're here with us today. In fact, if it's your first time, we've got something special that we want to send you just to say thanks for being here. If that's you today, I want you to text the word OASIS to 94000. Our team would love to connect with you. They'd love to send you a gift this week just to say thank you for being here. Also today, a very happy, a very special happy Mother's Day to all the women out there who have stepped into the role of motherhood. We are so grateful for you. We are better because of you. We honor you today. We praise God. We thank God for you today. Happy, happy Mother's Day. This week at Oasis, we've got something brand new that we're trying for the very first time. I'm so excited about it. We're kicking it off this week, and uh, that is Crew Commons. You say, what is Crew Commons? Crew Commons are crews of people that come together around common ideas or common topics. And because of COVID, we obviously can't do this in person, but we're going to do it online the next three weeks. It's only three weeks, so you got to jump in. And uh, we've got three different Crew Commons topics that are going to be kicking off this week. Here's what the first one is. It's grieving, healing, and believing. I know these are a lot of emotions and a lot of feelings that we've been going through in this season, so we're going to talk about that in this Crew Commons topic. The next one is the art of storytelling. How to tell your own story, how to tell our collective story, and then how to tell God's story. It's going to be so good. And the final Crew Commons topic is Theology 101. We're going to dig into the study of God. And so if you're interested in jumping into Crew Commons over these next three over these next three weeks, text the word cruise to 94000 to get signed up to get plugged in as we kick those off starting this week. They're gonna be so good, you don't want to miss it. Well, hey, the last few months we've been in a collection of talks through the book of Acts. We've been looking at stories and people in the book of Acts, and we've called it ordinary people, extraordinary power. The book of Acts is full of ordinary, average, everyday people like me and everyday people like you that God uses in extraordinary ways. He pours his power out on them and does the miraculous through ordinary people. And so we've looked at at, at those people and at the book of Acts and asked, God, in this season, how can you pour your power out on us? God, how can you position us to be used in great ways? And so today is going to be the last part of that collection, and we're going to be in Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter 12. So if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to open it up. I want you to turn those pages. Uh, get your Bible ready this morning, and if you're ready for God's Word, if you're ready for our scripture reading, go ahead and comment a fire emoji below. Go ahead and comment some praise hands below. Here's our scripture reading for today, Acts chapter 12, starting in verse number 4. After arresting him, we're talking about Peter. This is Peter, the disciple Peter. He put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. He was on lockdown. He was on heavy guard. He had 16 people whose job was to make sure he was stuck in prison. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. Come on, somebody. This is what we're going to be talking about today. Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard. 
at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He was a heavy sleeper. He had to be woken up. He had to be struck. He said, hey, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself and they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. So the angel comes, breaks him out of prison. Now he leaves and Peter is now out. And it came, Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. So at first he didn't even know it was real. He thought it was a vision. He thought it was a dream. But now that he's out, he's like, no, this is for real. God, God broke me out of prison. God saved my life. And when, he, when this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mom of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. So now he's going back to the church. He's going back to the prayer meeting that was praying for him. And Peter knocked on the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and explained, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When they kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the topic of today's message. The title for today's message is this, Imperfect Faith in a Perfect God imperfect faith in a perfect God. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that it's alive and that it's active. And Lord, I thank you that the way that you used your church to pray and to move mountains thousands of years ago, God, is what you want to do today in our lives and in our church. And Lord, I pray today as we look into your word that you would do what I cannot, and that is change our hearts and change our lives. Lord, I pray that we would not just hear a talk or watch a video today, but Lord, would we hear from you? Would we encounter you in Jesus' name? And somebody said in the comments below, amen. Amen. Acts chapter 12 is kind of continuing a theme that we've seen all throughout the story of Acts, and that is, it is no easy road for followers of Jesus. It is no clear, easy road for full of just everything that's convenient. But in fact, it's full of opposition. It's full of trial. It's full of mountains and valleys. And in Acts chapter 12 is no different. King Herod is in charge and uh, he, he's the ruler. He's the political power. He's the political authority of the day. And just prior to our text, King Herod has just killed one of the first disciples. He's killed, he's killed James. And this killing actually gained Herod some popularity politically. It gained him some ground and traction. People loved it. People applauded it. And so Herod wasn't even uh, 
necessarily prone to the idea of what he did. He was prone to the idea of him being popular and him having authority. And so upon him seeing, hey, persecuting this Christian got me some popularity. It got me some points. King Herod now goes to make another political move and he arrests Peter. He puts Peter in prison and his, his move is going to be to do the same thing, to kill Peter, to put Peter to death. Not even because he was so prone to do that, but just because it was a popular move. It was going to gain him uh, more following. It was going to gain him more political points uh, according to his agenda and what he wanted to do. And so Peter is now in prison. He's about to be killed. And in fact, Peter has been in jail before in Acts. Acts chapter 5, he's been in prison and he escaped from prison in Acts chapter 5. God rescued him from prison a few chapters before this. And so King Herod has got Peter in prison and he's got him on extra lockdown because he's been broken out before. So he puts four teams of four guys on Peter. He's got 16 men dedicated, assigned to make sure he stays locked up it, 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 it was typical in that day to just have one prisoner chained up to one soldier, and that was it. But Peter's chained up to two guys, and there's two more guys at the door, and these guys are rotating in and out, making sure Peter stays locked down. And so the scene, the picture, the tone of the story is one that's hopeless. It's one that's discouraging. It's one that looks as if Peter is about to head right after James, head towards death, head towards um, a bad ending to his story. But verse number five injects a new tone into the story. Verse number five injects some new hope into the story. Here's what it tells us. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but here's where everything changes. Here's where the tone shifts. Here's where hope begins to insert itself into the story. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. Isn't that amazing? There was a praying church behind Peter that although it looked hopeless, they were seeking God. Although it looked hopeless, they were praying to God because how many know what seems massive to man is small to God. What seems impossible to man is possible with God. It might have looked hopeless. It might have looked bad, but there was a church that was praying. And I'd like to talk to us this morning and encourage us around this idea, the church that was praying and seeking God, that if me and you are going to be people of extraordinary power, if we collectively are going to be a church of extraordinary power we must be people of prayer there is no way around it there's no alternative there's no plan b if we're going to be people of power if you're going to have holy spirit power from heaven in your life you must be a person of prayer a prayerless life is a powerless life in fact i think this is how many of us live a prayerless life is a powerless life, meaning a prayerless life, the best you got is the best you got. The best you can do is the best you can do. You're relying on yourself. You're relying on your own power. And quite frankly, I think a lot of us, unfortunately, are content to rely on the best we got. We, we put forth our best effort and our best agendas and our best plans, but if we don't call out to heaven, if we don't tap in to heaven, if we don't get God's help through prayer, all we have is all we have. How many know, I don't want all I have. 
I want all I have and all that God has. I don't want a powerless life. And if I don't want a powerless life, I need to be a person of prayer. You need to be a person of prayer. I love the old preacher, Martin Luther. He was asked one day about his plans for the day, what he was going to be doing that day. Here's what Martin Luther said. I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Martin Luther knew hey, I got tasks before me. I've got dreams in my heart. I've got things that I'm called to do. I've got plenty of things on the schedule and they're so important that I can't go into them powerless. I can't go into my day powerless. I can't go into my meetings powerless. I can't go into my home powerless. I've got to tap into prayer. I've got to be a person of prayer. If we want extraordinary power from God, we've got to be people of prayer. So here's what I'm going to do today in our time together is I'm going to challenge us this week. This week, I want to get practical. I want to give you some tools in your belt this week to begin to apply to your life. There's three different prayers that, that we see through the church praying for Peter in Acts chapter 12. There's three different prayers that I want to talk about, and I, I want to give to you to pray these prayers this week. But there's a warning that I want to give before we get into them. And the warning is, these prayers are dangerous. These prayers are dangerous. These prayers are dangerous because if you pray them, if you pray them sincerely, God will begin to answer them. It's not one of those prayers, you know, that, you know Lord, Lord, bless me, Lord, help, hope I have a good day. Lord, no, 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 the, these are dangerous prayers. These are dangerous prayers because they're aligned with God's heart and God's will. And so if you pray them, I'm telling you, buckle up. If you pray these prayers, I'm telling you, buckle up because God wants to answer these prayers. God wants to do these things in your life. So the three different prayers I want to talk about today for all my note takers, all my world changers out there. Here's the first one I want you to write down. Here's the first prayer. Lord, increase my desperation. This is the prayer I want us to pray today. Lord, increase my desperation. Increase my desperation. The scripture doesn't just tell us that there was a group of people, there was a church that was praying. No, no, no. The scripture gives us more detail actually to how they were praying. It says that while Peter was in prison, the church was earnestly praying. They were earnestly praying. So what does that mean? What does the word earnestly mean? Here's the word earnestly. It means with sincere and intense conviction or, or seriously. To, to do something earnestly is to do it incredibly seriously. It's to do it with an intense, a, a severe conviction, a passion that this really matters. This is real to me. This isn't surface level fluff. This is my heart. This is my desire. There is a seriousness, a, compa- a, a passion. It says they prayed earnestly. They prayed earnestly. It's almost, it creates a picture with words that the the people, they're stretching out all they possibly can for this cause. They're stretching out everything they've got. And real quick, I'd like to teach it before I preach it this morning. In In the original language, in the Greek, this word is ektenos, ektenos, and it's related to the word ektenes. Okay, this word earnestly, ektenos, it's related to ektenes, which is a medical term that describes the stretching of our muscles to its limits. 
All right, so even the original language in the word, it's creating a word picture of our muscles being stretched, of them being strained, a passionate, heartfelt, deep desire towards prayer and what's being prayed for. To pray earnestly, what the church was doing was they were striving, they were passionate, there was an urgency, there was a longing in them to see God move on their behalf. I was thinking about earnest prayers. I was thinking about them compared to what I think is more popular, more common, and that is casual prayers. There's a massive difference. There is a gap the size of the Grand Canyon between an earnest prayer and a casual prayer. An earnest prayer and a casual prayer. I was thinking about this even with the language just talking about the straining of muscles, and I was thinking about, man, what are some things my life I've done earnestly. What are some things, like what does earnestly look like? And uh, I, I'm about to go throwback on you right now. And if I go throwback on you, uh, I, I'm trying to help and trying to paint a picture. So don't use this against me today, okay? Is that a deal? If we have a deal, type in deal below, okay? Type in deal. We've got a deal. If I go throwback on you, you can't use this against me. Here's, here's a picture of me in high school running cross country. This is at the end of the race. This is the final stretch. This is, this is the sprint to the finish, the finish strong. Here's, here's the first picture of me running in high school. This was a big meet. It was an invitational, finishing up the race. And I'm telling you, this is the moment where the coach, where my coach, he's at the finish line screaming, get to the line, get to the line. This is where your muscles are screaming, your legs are screaming, your lungs are at capacity. I'm sweating. You're in so much pain, but you, you know the, everybody's yelling, you can deal with anything for 20 more seconds. Get to the line, haul it, kick it. You train for this go 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 there's there's intensity what is there there's earnest there's a there's a sense of earnestness get to the line get to the line go now compared to this I was thinking about casual <laughs> this was another time I was running at another race this was during a warm-up and uh I'm waving and talking to all my family and friends on the side like what up how you doing y'all looking good nice day right so like how many know it's a totally different posture it's a totally different heart from get to the line let's go I've trained for this this matters to me I want a place I want a position too what up? how you doing how y'all doing this is a nice day all right it, Totally different between earnest and casual. Earnest and casual. An earnest prayer is different than a casual prayer. I was thinking about this even at the gym. You know, when you go to the gym, there's people that work out earnestly. Come on. There's some of these people watching. You are earnest gym goer. You just go and you pick up the weights and you just, ha ta You make all the noises and you go and you go, boom, burpees. Let's go. Give me that. Ah, whoo, whoo, boom. You, you're just working it in the gym. And then there's the people in the gym that are casual. It's the people that go to the gym and don't do much in the gym. They go to the gym and they talk a lot and they go over to the weights and they grab the little guys and uh, their only workout for the day is shoulder shrugs. Huh? <laughs> huh? And then they put it down and then they talk for 30 more minutes and then they go, get huh? <laughs> they put it down. And then you got the guy over there going, ats, ats, and he's working it. What is he doing? He is being earnest. He's passionate. He believes in what he's doing. He's working at it. There's a conviction that I'm going to get better, that I'm going to push myself, that I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to be casual, but I believe in what I'm doing and I'm working towards it as opposed to just, huh. 
and, and I think in our prayers, I think we gotta be careful that we're not casual prayers, that our prayer life is not a, Lord, give me good day, God. Bless me, Lord. Protect me, Lord. But no, the church was earnest. Lord, I know you've called me to something. God, I know you're with me. Lord, I know you can move mountains. God, I know nothing is impossible for you. There's a difference in an earnest prayer and a casual prayer. And the church was praying earnestly. And I'm challenging me and you to be people of earnest prayer. Look, prayers that rattle heaven and prayers that shake earth are filled with earnestness. Earnestness. Many of our prayers lack power because many of our prayers lack earnestness. Maybe today your prayers have yet to shake heaven and shake earth. Maybe it's because they've been casual prayers. Maybe it's because they've lacked earnestness. Many of our prayers lack power because many of our prayers lack earnestness. We too often pray with the attitude of wanting God to care about things that we don't even care about that much. Too, too often we pray and we want God to care about something we don't even really care about. But if, if we're passionate, if there's a deep conviction, if there's a deep seriousness in us about it, man, we can call to God and we can shake heaven and earth. And I'm telling you, our, our prayer, our first prayer for this week is, Lord, increase my desperation. Lord, make me desperate for you. Lord, make me desperate to see you move. Lord, give me an earnestness in my prayer life that I'm not okay to shoulder shrug a casual prayer. But God, I'm gonna earnestly seek you. I'm gonna earnestly call out to heaven. Give me desperation. And I'm telling you, if you haven't had a prayer life like that, if your prayer life has been casual, here's the prayer for you to pray. Lord, increase my desperation. And I'm telling you, God will help you. God will give you a sense of desperation in your prayer life. The second prayer I want to talk about today is this. Lord, increase my consistency. Increase my consistency. I love that church was praying day and night for God to do a miracle. They were calling on the one, the only one, who could do anything about the situation. They were calling on the only one who had the power to save Peter, the only one who had the power to set him free. Look, when every gate is closed in your life, the gate of heaven is always open through prayer. Look, I want to say that again. I want to encourage someone here today. When every gate is closed in your life, the gate of heaven is always open through prayer. Look, when you're out of options, you've got prayer. When you're out of hope, you've got prayer. When you are out of energy, you have prayer. When you are outmatched, you've got prayer. You've got a direct line to heaven. Just this week as I was thinking about this, you know, I, I, I thought, what if, what if I had access in my life personally to anybody that I wanted? Anybody. Like, any, any person that was successful in any area, someone that I looked up to in ministry, 
anyone, if I had direct access to them all the time? What if it was someone super successful in business? Anyone I wanted to? What, what, what if it was someone I looked up to in, in marriage? Any area of my life, if, if I could call any person on the planet, I had their direct phone number, they gave me a guarantee, whenever you call, I'm gonna answer, you've got access to me. Like it really had me thinking, oh my gosh, wow, like there's, there's some people that, that, that I follow from afar. I would love, I would love a direct line to them. I would love to tap into their brain. I'd love to tap into their heart, tap into their spirit, what they're doing, what they're thinking. And I was beginning to think about that. And if I had direct line to anyone, anyone in the world that I could, and if you went through my phone list and my calls, how many know, hopefully you would see their name. Hopefully if, if, if I got any person in the world that I could and I had access to them all the time, hopefully you would see their name and their call and their number on my call list all the time. How many know you'd probably see them in my favorites? They'd probably be someone, anytime I had a question, boom. Anytime I needed something, boom. Anytime I was struggling or needed encouragement, boom. How many know if I had access to anyone I wanted a direct line, I would use it often. But for many of us, when it comes to God, the king of heaven, the king of the universe, we've got a direct line. We've got access to him through prayer. He's nowhere to be found on our call list. He's, he's the God of the universe. He's the God of all wisdom and all knowledge. He's, he's the owner of everything. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills, the God of the universe. We've got a direct line to heaven. We've got access to him. But for many of us, it's a sporadic call just when we need help. It's more of a 911. I mean, I'm challenging us today to say, God, increase my consistency May I dial heaven's line when I wake up. When I lay down, may I dial heaven's line. May I dial heaven's line when I'm headed into a meeting. May I dial heaven's line when I'm in the middle of a meeting. May I dial heaven's line when I leave the meeting. May I dial heaven's line when I'm instructing my kids. May I dial heaven's line when I'm working on a problem with my spouse. May I dial heaven's line when I need direction for the next steps of my life. May I dial heaven's line when I need encouragement. Come on, I'm trying to encourage someone today. You've got a direct line to heaven. When every other gate is closed, the gate of heaven is open through prayer. And we need to pray, Lord, increase my consistency to call out to you in times of need. Lord, increase my consistency. Look, any good functional two-way relationship involves communication. It involves communication at many different levels, actually. I was thinking about this for me and Anna in our own life. We communicate in so many different ways. For our marriage to work, for our relationship to thrive, for us to stay on the same page, we communicate in many different ways. We have each week, we have a family meeting. We look at our calendars. We look at our schedules. We look at our evenings. What are we doing? What's priority this week? Each month we sit down and we have focused time where we talk about our budget and we plan out our priorities there. We have future meetings where we sit down and we plan out our future and here's what we're going to do then and here's where we're going to go then. We have those set, devoted, focused times where just the two of us are talking about what's going on in our relationship, what's going on in our house, what's going on in our future. 
We don't just have those meetings, though. Our relationship and communication is not just those meetings, but it's quick stuff all the time. It's, hey, I'm on the way home. I'll see you in 20 minutes. Awesome. Hey, I just had this question today. I was meeting with this person. I thought about this. What do you think? There's, there's quick conversations all throughout the day. And then there's just the casual short stuff. It's the quick text. What up, boo? <laughs> what up, girl? I was thinking about you today. Hey, I saw this meme. I'm going to send it to you in a DM because it's funny. Like, look, our communication is formal. It's, it's long stuff. It's short stuff. It's easy stuff. It's all the time. Any good relationship takes all different kinds of communication. Here's what I'm trying to encourage us in consistency and prayers. This is the way it looks like with God. Look, we need focused attention, just time with God. We're sitting down and we're seeking God in prayer. You need prayer on the go. You're heading into work. You're heading into this meeting. You need, you need the quick prayer. Lord, help me. Lord, give me direction here. Lord, give me guidance here. You, you need the quick prayer where you just have a quick thought about God and you just thank God right where you are, right in the middle of your day, right at the gym, right at the park, right in your home. Lord, thank you. You're awesome. You need the quick communication. You need the long communication. Look, our, our, our prayer this week is, Lord, increase my consistency. Increase my consistency. Help me to tap into the direct line of heaven when every gate in my life is closed. The gate of heaven is always open through prayer. And here's the third and the final prayer that I'm challenging us to pray this week. We said, Lord, increase my desperation. Lord, increase my consistency. And the third one is this. Lord, help me with my unbelief. And look, this one's big and I want this to encourage someone today. Help me with my unbelief. Peter's rescued. Once he's rescued and he realizes he's rescued, he realizes this is not a dream, this is not a vision. He's out on the street. He's no longer in chains and shackles. He goes straight to the house. He goes straight to the prayer meeting. And what happens is hilarious. What happens is kind of comical. If you just take a step back and look at it, it's so funny. He, he goes there and he's knocking on the door and here's, here's what happens. When, when she knows it's Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. This is the girl at the house. This is Rhoda. She runs back without opening it. She leaves the dude out on the curb. Like, he's hanging outside. He's probably scared because he's a prisoner on the loose. He, like, open up. And she runs back inside. She ignores him. And she tells the people that were just praying earnestly, Peter's at the door. Notice what they say. You're out of your mind. This is, this is big here. This is, this is really big. The people that just were praying earnestly, when God answered their prayer, they didn't believe it. The people that were just praying with deep sincerity, deep conviction, a seriousness, when God answered their prayer, you're, you're, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. Their prayer was earnest, but their faith was weak. Their prayer was sincere, but their faith was small. It almost reminds me of Matthew 17. The disciples are trying to cast out a demon and they can't do it. And Jesus says, you have little faith. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. But the disciples did their they, they had an earnestness to them. They wanted to do the miracle, but they didn't have the faith to do it. We see this all over the place. In the Gospel of Mark, there's, there's a dad who's praying for his son to be delivered 
from a demon and he looks at Jesus and he says, Lord, help me with my unbelief. But what is he saying? He had earnestness in him. He sincerely wanted God to do the miracle, but he had trouble believing that it could happen. I, man, I, I just began to think about my own life and I was thinking about us and thinking about you. And I think this is true of so many of us. We pray with an earnestness. We pray believing God for big things, but really in the back of our mind, in the back of our heart, there's a lot of unbelief. And I was thinking about my own life and every single thing I believe God for, every big step of faith I took, I really, especially on the outside, I believed God could do it and I wanted God to do it and I sincerely believed he could do it. But then at, but then at the same time, in my own spirit, I'm like, but he probably won't. He probably won't do it because that's such a big thing and that's I, I feel unworthy and I don't know if God... And, And I think it's encouraging to see that even the people in the church in Acts chapter 12 that prayed earnestly struggle with this. And look, I'm challenging me and you today to pray this prayer. Lord, help me with my unbelief. Lord, I pray with earnest, but sometimes I struggle with unbelief. Lord, I struggle with doubt. And Lord, I want you to help me with my unbelief. Look, God doesn't need perfect faith from you. He just needs a little bit of faith. God doesn't need powerhouse, mighty faith. No, no, no. He just needs a little bit of faith. Look, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this final thought down. It is not the greatness of your faith, but the greatness of His grace that changes things. You don't need to be a powerhouse faith giant to move mountains. No, no, no. You just need faith the size of a mustard seed. You need faith that can earnestly pray for Peter to get out of prison. And then when he shows up at the door to say, I don't know, you're crazy. Notice their faith was broken and imperfect, but God still answered it. It's not the greatness of your faith that matters. No, no, no. You just need a little bit. You just need fragile faith. You just need a little bit of faith. But it's the greatness of God's grace that changes things. And I'm encouraging you and I'm challenging you today to pray that prayer, to say, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Because for some of you today, you're praying for things earnestly. You're believing God for big things and you really believe God can do it. And at the same time, you don't think he will. You struggle with unbelief. You struggle with doubt. And this is where this third prayer comes in. Lord, help me with my unbelief. I want us to pray these prayers this week. I want us to boldly tap the line of heaven to say, Lord, increase my desperation. God, make me desperate for you. I want us to say, Lord, don't just increase my desperation, but Lord, increase my consistency. And finally, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. I'd love to pray these over you. I'd love to pray for you this week as we go out as a church and and, and pray these and begin to walk this out as ordinary people needing extraordinary power from God. Maybe you're tuned in today and you are sitting here watching this video far from God. Maybe today you have unbelief in your heart about who Jesus is, but today God is opening your eyes and you're saying, I need to trust Jesus today as my Savior. So you can make that decision right where you are today. You can put your faith in Jesus and what he has done for you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and be the leader of your life. And for all of us, I wanna pray these things over us today that God would make us desperate, he'd increase our consistency, and he'd help us with our unbelief as we seek to be ordinary people living with extraordinary 
power. If you're comfortable in your home right now, right where you are, I want you to open up your hands. I want you to posture your hands towards heaven as I pray for you. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for your power today. Lord, I pray that you would give us a spirit of desperation, Lord, that we would not be a people that pray casual, half-hearted, insincere prayers. But God, may you stir up a passion and urgency in our heart, God, to pray prayers of earnestness, prayers of passion, prayers of desperation. Lord, make us desperate today as we call out to you this week in prayer. Lord, I pray you'd increase our consistency. Lord, may we tap the line of heaven often this week. Lord, I pray in our coming, in our going, in our routine this week, Lord, remind us that we've got access to you. Remind us we've got access to heaven. Lord, increase our consistency. And finally, Lord, help us with our unbelief. Lord, we pray the prayer, Lord, that that father prayed in the gospel of Mark. Help us with our unbelief. Lord, we acknowledge today so many of us, Lord, we believe you for great things and at the same time, we don't. Lord, at the same time, in the back of our mind, we struggle with doubt. We struggle with unbelief. And Lord, I'm asking today, right where we are, Lord, right in our homes, would you fill our hearts with faith? Lord, would you help us with our unbelief that we could live a faith-filled, God-honoring, mountain-moving life? In Jesus' name, amen and amen. We love you, church.